Hey, what's up, everybody? It's Coach Josh. I'm officially welcome you guys and gals out to another live Q&A with yours truly. Um, just started work this week or last week, and the kids are in this week. So I'm going to have to figure out what I'm going to do during the week, but I'm going to make sure I give you guys fresh content as I receive it. So I hope you all are doing exceptionally well. So I'm going to give each and every one of you, ladies and gentlemen, an opportunity to come into the live feed. But if you're watching this and it's not the live, for some of you all, y'all think that when it's posted on Facebook, it's live. It's not live. You're just watching the um, the replay. If you're watching it, feel free. What's up, Simba? Feel free um, to comment. Feel free to engage. Feel free to like, subscribe, hit the bell, all that good stuff. Join the Unplugger community. Here on YouTube that I have, it is my goal to help you become spiritually mature for God's optimal use. And so my goal is to give you as, as much resources as possible and support that you may need to ensure that you grow at, as an individual and, 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 and it, to such a degree where God can get a lot of use from you into advancing his kingdom and for you to impact your life. So hope you all doing exceptionally well. Simba, what's going on? Jordan, what's going on? All is well on my end. Um, just, just started work. So my goal is to give you guys some content. What's up? What's up inside, outside? What's up from Austin? What's up, man? What's up, India love? So my goal is to still be consistent. Mondays may be difficult, so I may be doing video content uh, Tuesday, Wednesdays, and Thursdays, including the Good Guys podcast on Fridays. Um, so until I get into a rhythm and until I feel God depositing the message uh, for the men, so the men's podcast will be moved to Tuesdays. Um, the What Should I Do Wednesday still be there. Thursdays, we're going to be back in the book this week of the purpose of freedom. Been watching your vids, brother. Can you talk about more about pursuing? I'll get a little bit more specific, fam, so I can make sure I, I hit it, hit the um, question where it needs to be. But my goal is to still give you guys four contents a week. Um, but I'm excited about this new phase of my life. What's up, Michelle? So who's got questions? I know uh, Inside Outside says uh, something about pursuing. Get specific, bro, so I can so I can make sure I help. For a man, where is he? For a man, when he is content in Christ, good question. So I'm guessing that your question is along the lines of, um, how do you know uh, you're ready to? What's up, Nick Antoine? Uh, okay, gotcha. Basically, what I would tell a man is this: is that you pursue on command. Um, there's going to be a lot of women that's going to be attractive, compatible. Um, but but there's a specific moment and a specific time that God wants to confirm uh, a significant individual, young lady as yours. And what most men do, they pursue on demand versus pursuing on command. Pursuing on demand is there's a young lady that I'm interested in and there's a demand in my heart to talk to her because I'm not content in my singleness. But a man that pursues on command is a man that says, hey, God, I see a lot of compatible options. I see a lot of attractive options, but God, I care more about your purpose in my life and the purpose that you have for me in a marriage that I'm going to pursue on command. Because when you pursue on command, that means God is in the midst, right? And so to get even more specific, I will advise you is to really daily um, analyze your level of contentment. You don't have to do it every day, but just really just Ask yourself the question, when you feel like you're content in Christ, it's not about, 
I feel content today. It's, it's based upon, am I truly content? Because it's easy to be content when there's something occupying an idle space. But when that job is done or that contract is over or when the book is finished or when the project is done, then there comes a rushing in of 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 flooding of feelings of, oh, I wish I can have someone. So the best advice I can give you is that when God tells you to pursue, you pursue on command. Now, what does that look like? Um, I can't really specifically tell you that because I don't know if God deals uh, similarly to everyone, but I know that there's a unique piece that is giving to a man um, that lets him know. And honestly, pursuing a woman to, to from what I've noticed and have experienced is almost accidental that 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 usually God brings that young lady or brings a relationship together um, um, when you least expect it. Because it's best for that. Because if you expected it, then you may that you may either reject it or you may project it. Rejected meaning it's came in my life, and I don't know if I'm going to reject. Some people got a great woman that they're attracted to. They've been friends for a while, and then they reject it, or they project it. Meaning, let's get married. Uh, it's better to marry than burn with lust. But it's more important to to let God daily lead you. And I think when you make it a habit in your single life for God to lead you daily, then when it comes to meeting that significant woman in your life, the leading of the Holy Spirit will be similar to how he was leading you when you were alone. See what I'm saying? So everything boils down to cultivating a relationship with God that's day to day, moment by moment, uh, uh, infused with attention, infused with awareness, infused with, with love and passion so that when it is time to pursue Pursue that woman. You won't pursue too fast. You won't pursue too slow, but you'll get right in pace with God. So I'm glad they helped you, bro. Let's get to the next. That's a good question, man. And I'm going to be, um, um, I'm writing a book right now um, that talks along those lines. And I can't tell you the title. The title so dope. I can't tell you too much about it because I give me about a, a month or so, maybe a couple of months, Lord willing, however long I'll be done with it. And you'll be able to see some materials coming out pretty soon that helps brothers uh, um, pursuing women and helps women uh, um, who are being pursued by men and how to distinguish between uh, the right one and the wrong one. So the theme of that book is going to be on confirmation, um, how to know uh, God's confirming uh, um, nature. And that'll help you guys going forward. Good question, though. India Love says, my question is, how was you able to overcome worldly music? I ask because my whole life, when I get frustrated or going through, through things, I turn to music. Good question. What I've noticed was, is that basic, 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 is that how I feel while listening to the music. So what happens is, Typically, when you remove yourself from something for a period of time, when you go back to it, you'll feel the, the difference. So if you go without food for a long period of time or you go without certain foods for a period of time, when you taste it again, your body feels weird. So when I remove myself from music, that kind of music for a long period of time and I got back into it, I was able to discern deeper the, the, the state or the agenda of the music. And, and it may be a positive tune. It may be a, a not so bad track, but it just made my spirit feel weird. So what helped me was realizing that it's deeper than rap. It's deeper than music. It's deeper than melodies. It's deeper than just the beat. That there is an agenda. There's a tone that goes with this music with the ultimate 
objective is ca is causing us to be up under a trance to uh, in a subconscious not subconscious state but in a state where your subconscious mind feeds off a specific agenda that was strategically placed there to ensure you become attached to that song and attached to the song to a certain degree where you begin to receive that song's message and that you begin to walk out the the nature and tone and melody of that music so what helped me was realizing it doesn't matter how good the music is it doesn't matter and i do my my biggest issue when it came to secular music was music like like um you know like meek mill or jay-z or 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 music that was for the entrepreneur you see what i'm saying uh diddy's money making mitch i think it was called there was a peer or rick ross beats like songs drake songs where it wasn't like i listened to everything but i had a catalog of music that i felt that will fuel um um, um the the producing of things and then when i realized yo josh it, even though you may feel that you're mature you are not mature enough on your own to play with the devil stuff. You never to you never to you never too mature to be able to handle uh where the devil has mastered. You see what I'm saying? So even me, and, and I, I wish there was a Christian rapper, I wish there was music out there that can really play the soundtrack to the entrepreneur that can create music for that. But in the meantime, I just don't listen to nothing. And when I go to the gym, I try my best. I got a playlist now that I listen to of, of artists, Christian artists, um, that 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 kind of helps me get in that mood. But I had to stop because of the agenda. I was actually producing the mindset of an entrepreneur that wasn't Christ-centered, meaning that it was get that bag. You start hearing me start talking about getting to the bag. And now people around me will hear me talk about uh, money a little bit more than I used to, talking about uh, 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 all these different things. That 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 that's just not the nature that a believer should have in pursuing uh, or utilizing music to become the um, the 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 soundtrack to your life. So what I will advise you to do is go without it for a period of time and then watch how sensitive you become. To, to certain songs and then you will begin to realize that it's deeper than just the music and that you just have to be careful. And now let's get to the flip side. There are certain uh, musicians and songs within the Christian umbrella that's still just as wicked and deceitful as a secular quote unquote music. So everything must be done by the Holy Spirit because the spirit of God knows the depths of, of the music. He knows the, the agenda. He knows the mission of it. And some things are just best to stay away from and, and, and grow into a place where you can actually produce and still be who you are and still be effective without the need of certain songs. Because it's deeper, man. Some people say, well, it's not bad lyrics. No. But also, do you not know that music frequencies are placed in music to put you in a certain mood, that there are frequencies in music that messes with your mind and alters your state, that certain melodies, when it's repeated over and over again, affects your subconscious mind, floods into your conscious mind, and then floods out of your life. It's deeper. And when you begin to find the science of song and the science of song development, then you begin to realize it is best to stay away from it, no matter how great it is. Sometimes the best tasting stuff is full of chemicals. Sometimes the best stuff out there may sound the best, may be engineered the best, but it's just not good for you. Hope to help. Hey, coach, what's the best way to get closer to the Holy Spirit specifically? Good question. It's to treat him like a person. He is a person. 
just like you treat Siri, just like you treat um, um, any other, uh, um, the Amazon assistant, uh, he's greater than that. You see what I'm saying? He's on demand greater than that. He's on standby greater than that. Meaning that just as all, just as we interact with uh, uh, technological assistances, we should treat the Holy Spirit, not like a technological assistant, but a person who assists us. And what I do is, is that I, I, I really, I don't say put him on the spot. That's not even what I'm saying. I got too much respect for the Holy Spirit to even, to even say that. But what I am saying is, is that I wouldn't even say put him to the test, but just have the conversation. Holy Spirit, uh, make me aware of you today. I, I open my life to you to lead me. The reason why many people do not have a, a solid, tangible relationship with the Holy Spirit because they're too busy or too caught up in themselves to acknowledge him, to even ask him. But when you treat him like a person and he is, and as a friend and as God's spirit that was given to you as a believer, then you would take him a little bit more seriously and open your life and open up your day for him to supernaturally, strategically guide you. And in as you go through your day, you will begin to sense him more because you, because you gave him the lead. See, he's a gentleman. He's not going to force you to do anything. You see what I'm saying? But he is there to guide you. But the, the, the first step is acknowledging him and making it a habit and then allowing him at his own time, at his own place to reveal himself to you and then grow from there. That's how I will help. That's what I would say, because because he's 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 your greatest asset. And, and I don't want anyone to live this life not utilizing him and then go to heaven and realizing just how great of a power you had within you. You see what I'm saying? Because of the spirit of God in us, we can do greater works. Imagine what per, what kind of person you would be if you really got closer to him. Imagine how more strategic and specific and, 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 and um, um, great your days become if you actually just simply wake up and say, Holy Spirit, guide me today. Holy Spirit, make me make me aware of you today. I'm open to you and remove the different contradictory uh, voices, remove the clutter out of your life so that he can have his rightful place within your soul to be able to lead you. I could definitely get a little bit more specific than that. Um, what else can I help you with, bro? I would say um, um, just carving out space to talk to him, uh, removing all clutter, uh, um, um, uh, get into his get into his word a little bit more. Allow him to speak because it's hard for the Holy Spirit to speak into a person's life who rarely opened the pages of the book that he wrote. You see what I'm saying? Because if you can't really if you can't really sense him through the written word, how are you going to allow him to lead you through the whisper word? You see what I'm saying? And so what I mean by that is start with your Bible. Start with the proverb. And what I do is, Holy Spirit, I'm about to read my word. Show me something. Lead me through the text. Open up my eyes. Open up my ears. Open up my heart to hear and sense what you have for me to say. And watch when you make that a habit, you will begin to notice um, the Holy Spirit talking a little bit more, guiding you a little bit more, but it starts with the fundamentals and it starts with you uh, uh, opening your life for him to lead. Good question, man. Uh, Nick Antoine said, what do you think about if you are tempted to lust? Like, what do you switch to? Good question, Nick. What do you think about if you are tempted to lust? Like, what do you switch to? I switch to productivity. Like, like I don't deal with lust as much as I used to because of the maturity that God has 
birthed through me. But when it comes to any kind of thought, whether it's lust, whether it's pride, whether it's greed, what you do is you switch. First off, how can I help you specifically with lust? This is what you should do with lust specifically. In order to establish growth, you have to do the groundwork. In order to grow out of something and grow into who you need to be, you got to do the groundwork. Groundwork means you have to analyze in your life, what are things that are lustful that's around you? Are there stuff that I allow on my phone? Are there stuff that I'm allowing my space? Is there something that I watch on TV that is uh, that is allowing my mind to be lustful? So what I mean by that is there could be things in your environment that you're subconsciously gleaning from or consciously gleaning from that is carried through your vessel throughout, throughout the day. And then when you get to a place of idleness or you get to a place where it's just you and your mind, what you've been gathering all day begins to flood to the top of the surface. So you have to do the groundwork by making sure that you don't create a lustful environment or a lustful cloud or lustful baggage to that care that you allow to be in your bag every day or follow you all through your day so that when you're idle, those thoughts come. But the best way to do it is, is to clear out the lustful clutter. Be be honest about where you are mature wise. Allow welcome the Holy Spirit to renew you in that area. Seek accountability. Also make sure. Oh, I forgot the other one. Also make sure you um um you just remove the different things that may uh aid in a lustful environment. Now, if you're just in the world, your home is it's pure. Your 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 devices are pure. There's no lustful things around you. You're just in a world and it's summertime and there's a bunch of Lululemons out. There's a bunch of short shorts out. There's a bunch of short skirts out. That's just the world you live in. What you do is you keep your eyes forward. You, you make sure you condition your neck because the second look reveals what's in your heart. The first look, you can't, you got peripheral vision. You can't help what you see. You know what I'm saying? You ain't, you can't drive blind. You can't walk with your eyes closed. You see what I'm saying? But the second look reveals a struggle or a conflict of interest in your heart. And you got to take that seriously. If you always find yourself looking twice, then there must be something in your heart. Then that's when you nip it in the bud, you tackle it and you ask the Holy Spirit to arrest it and you pro practically do the groundwork by making sure you're making the adjustments around you so that you don't continue in that lustful flow. You see what I'm saying? You can't control the world, but you can control, you can't control the environments you walk into, but you can control this environment here. And that's where you start by doing the groundwork, making sure that you're not creating an, a toxic, lustful environment around you. That Because whatever you feed your soul the most, when you're idle and alone, your brain will trigger to the top of the cylinder. But the best way, not, not, not the best, not the best way, but one of the best ways is to make sure you're not idle. Now, you the best way to make sure you're not idle is to make sure there's no idolatry in your heart. Idolatry leads to idleness or, or idleness leads to idolatry, but the root of it still is idolatry, right? That, that there may be an issue deep rooted in your heart that makes you a little bit more connected to lustful things that contributes to that. So what do I switch to? I go to God and be like, God, I need help with this mindset. I need, why, why is this in here? First thing, I before I even talk to God, I, I talk to myself. Yo, why is this in my life? Why? Why? Where did this come from? Then I go to the Holy Spirit. Make it aware to me if I haven't become aware of it. And then you make the adjustments and then you advance. The good thing about life is assess, adjust, advance. 
It's that quick. You can do it in a matter of three minutes. So many people seek into condemnation for so long that they could have avoided wasting two or three weeks if they just would have simply assessed their life. Wow, this is why I'm thinking the way I'm thinking. This is why I'm doing what I'm doing. These are the necessary adjustments. I've talked to the Holy Spirit and we came up with the necessary adjustment I need to make and the necessary accountability I need to have so that I can continue to advance. As soon as you have a lustful thought, you have to immediately build up a mental uh, uh, thought vein caster, <laughs> a thought vein caster processor in your mind. Because you built yourself up in your most holy faith, you understand the word, you understand why you shouldn't be lustful, so that when those thoughts come in, because some of those thoughts might not even be your thoughts, these are thoughts that may just been sent to you to try to get the 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 the, the, the wheels turning for you to get back into that way of thinking or lifestyle. So what you do is you you build up your mindset, you build up the mind mental processor that casts down those vain imaginations because you have something greater to think about. You have something greater to pursue that God has your wife. First off, what are the reasons why you shouldn't think lustful? Start there and the Holy Spirit will guide you from there. Good question, man. Sing Songbird said, I'm struggling in my faith right now. Devil has been causing extra strife in my life. Feel hopeless at times. Any advice? No problem. There's faith for those who work out, for those who are dieting, for those who are making the necessary adjustments, whether in their health or et cetera in their life. You can understand this point is that there are ebbs and flows. There are hills and there's valleys. There are mountaintops and then there's dungeons of life. And the same thing is with faith. Faith is not an easy thing to navigate because we're, we see more of sight than we do faith. You see what I'm saying? We see our circumstances more than we see Christ working behind the scenes to constructively bring it into a, a place of, 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 of balance. You see what I'm saying? So that's totally understandable. So when you find a struggle in your faith, you possibly may have the wrong mindset of faith. Faith is a muscle. Faith has to be built. Faith has to uh, be treated like a muscle, that I have to work my faith, exercise my faith, uh, uh, um, remember the faithfulness of God. There's a lot of different things you have to do to kind of build yourself up in your most holy faith. The scripture says pray in the spirit and build yourself up by praying in tongues, that there's a there's a gift that the Holy Spirit gives because he understands that life is not easy. He was in the flesh of Jesus, the man Jesus. See what I'm saying? He knew, he knows what it's like to be tempted at every point and know the struggles, even in the Garden of Gethsemane where he wanted to give up, but he said, not my will, but thine will. There's a lot of struggles when it comes to this faith, but you have to have go-to fundamental faith builders to ensure that when you find yourself in a place where the devil is bringing an onslaught, when you find yourself in a place of hopelessness, you have to understand, number one, that he is near the brokenhearted, that he's a present help in a time of trouble. You have to understand that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. You have to understand that without faith, it's impossible to please God. If anyone desires to draw near to God, he must first know that he exists and that he's rewarded those diligent things. You have to also understand that, that, that faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not saying, that you have to build yourself up in a place where you fundamentally understand what faith is and begin to flourish in it by fundamentally, faithfully exercising it. By simply obeying God, by simply looking at the track record of God, by simply surrounding yourself with the word of God that builds your spirit, man, that builds your faith. And the number one thing that I do, one of the top two, three things that I do, I look at God's faithfulness in my past, how he strategically came in when I thought that he there was nobody else that can come through. He came through. 
The devil always wants you to focus on your circumstances and not the track record that God has done that will build your faith. So I know you're struggling your faith right now. A lot of us, I've been there many times and there's a lot of people's going through right now, but listen, faith, this is a war. I got a book right now. You go to my website right now, get the free download copy of my book, World War Me. Go to imunplugged.com forward slash worksheet. Scroll through until you see the World War Me ebook download. Download that book so you can understand what the whole armor of God is so that you could be able to understand what the shield of faith. The shield of faith is an extension of you. Notice in this say the breast put it righteousness. Righteousness should be close to your heart than your faith. Your faith is an extension of you, meaning that before the darts get to you, it has to get to your faith. So you have to understand the importance of building your faith in the midst of warfare. And I talk a lot about that in my book. So look up my book and go to the shield of faith, read that chapter first, glean from those scriptures, go to the back of the book, go to the scriptures on faith. I think I have 15 to 20 scriptures on faith that you can digest, memorize, and, and take it to the Holy Ghost and watch him um, reveal to you how to develop your faith. So those resources are free on my website. If you want the book version, you got to pay for it. But if you want, if you don't mind looking at books through your devices, then you could do it there. Um, but strife is the enemy of life. And you have to nip it in the bud. No matter what the devil brings your way, what Jesus did when the devil brought temptation his way, what he defeated with the word of God. So my goal is for you to go get that book, go to my website, look up the shield of faith on that chapter and shield of faith. Go to the back of the book. I got over maybe three to 400 scriptures in the back of the book, not on faith, but on different topics. Go to the one on faith and build yourself up in your most holy faith by praying the Holy Ghost. If you, if you got that gift in you, as well as. Uh, building up your faith by hearing the word of God and, and 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 reading it and gleaning from it. So my advice to you is look at God's faithful track record in your past, write it down. Never let the devil play in your mind without first writing the thoughts down. You have to write everything you think. I'm talking about thoughts of good. I'm talking about significant thoughts. You don't got to write down, oh, I thought about a hamburger at 2.30. No. What I'm saying is, that, okay, I'm struggling with this. Here are the thoughts that I have. Write it down. Because sometimes when you leave thoughts up here, it, it, it cripples you. But when you put the thoughts on paper, you'll be able to see the vainness or the validity of them because you will then have the opportunity to put scriptures beside them to see them in comparison. And then you'll be like, why am I wasting my time thinking about this? Because when you see it on paper, you begin to really see the validity or the vainness of those thoughts? Good question. Jordan says, how do you find out where you are in, at in God's will? I was confident feeling a little iffy now. Things are kind of cloudy. Wait till the sun comes. See, what I normally do when life is at a standstill, I stand still. The Bible says stand still and see the salvation of the Lord, right? So when you know, when you don't know what to do, do what you know to do, right? So it's hard to gauge at this level, spot on where you at in the will of God, right? All you got to do is continuously do the last thing he told you, continuously do the thing that he wants you to do, continuously do what the word tells you every day. The good thing is, the will of God is evident in the scriptures. You can find the will of God every day. There's, there's a certain things that he wants you to do every day, and that's you in the will of God. Now, the will of God, uh, second capital W, which is your specific, the specific will he has for you, 
is simply just continuously do what the word says, continuously be proactive and productive in what in the last thing he's told you. And and don't let the cloudiness or the quietness of God uh, um, distract you, because just like a GPS, a GPS don't start talking to you till it's time to make a turn. Because many of us, we want to hold purpose conversations with God, but God's like, some of my words, you're just not ready to hear yet until it's time for the turn. You see what I'm saying? There's things that has to be revealed to you before I speak to you because my words may be too heavy for you to process now. It'll either have you reject the word or project beyond the word's timing, and then you find yourself all over the place. So the best thing to do is, is to go, if you don't know where you are in his will for you, you go to his word to find out the basic fundamental will that he has for you to do in everyday life. Practice those things. Continue to spend time because his will is for you to spend time with him. His will for you was to get to know him. His will for you was to get to know his word. Keep doing those things. And then you will begin to see God uh, uh, naturally guide you to where he wants you to be. So while it's cloudy, find a good shaded area. If I, If it's cloudy... Stand still, wait for the sun to come, and he'll let you know what to do. And 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 when you'll know what you know when you'll know when he when he has to talk to you. Hope to help. Michelle Miller says, How hard was it for you to be silent when you really want to speak on some of the stuff you went through in your difficult season? I realized um the Bible talks about, I forgot the scripture says, um uh speak what fits the occasion, right? Um, I also know that I am not my vindicator when it comes to difficult seasons while I'm in the midst of them, it's best not to talk in the middle of the difficult season because you don't really know, you don't know too much yet. You see what I'm saying? It's best to speak when hindsight is 2020, it's best to speak from the hindsight, not the foresight. You see what I'm saying? Or while you insight. Some people speak on the foresight before a storm and they start talking crazy and the storm hits them. Now they now they look like they don't know what they're talking about. That's why it's best to always speak what fits the occasion, what's built, what's was there to build up, and what's going to give grace to the hearer. It's better to be uh slow to speak, quick to listen. You see what I'm saying? It's best to exercise these different things because difficulty has a way of causing you to speak damaging words. Difficulty has a way of having you speak um, uh, saying it's the devil when it's really God um, or just the devil in my life and God. The devil's like, that's not even me. That's God's hand moving people out of your life, adjusting things, transitioning you. So what I've learned by is that never go to social media. Never, no, no, there is, there is, you will never in the last five, seven years of my social media ex existence will be able, maybe three or four or five, I don't know, will be able to uh, uh, recognize a difficult moment. I just realized that social media is not the place. Uh, to communicate difficulty. Um, those people are not your real friends. Those people, uh, because when you always talk about your difficulty times, you're giving the devils and other people an opportunity to push in on the wound. See what I'm saying? So what you have to understand is that you got to keep your lip quiet and let God prepare a table in the presence of your enemies. Let God make your enemies your footstool. Let God be your vindicator because he says, vengeance is mine, I repay. And, and weigh the difficult times. So to get specific about me, because I think your question was for me, how hard was it for you to be silent when you really want to speak on this stuff? You, it was it was difficult because 
because a lot of people lied on me. A lot of people talked crazy about me. I had to watch my good name go through the mud. But one thing God told me, if your name is made out of gold, all you got to do is wash it off. Another thing that God really helps me with and I'm helping you with now, even as I speak, is to realize you have to outlive the lie. You don't have to, to because it's impossible to go to every person and, and, and tell your story. Let people tell the lie. Let the people tell their side of the story. No matter what you did was true. No matter what they're saying is true. And outlive it. Change. Don't be the same person. And that's that's what I did was realizing that time always reveal the real deal. Time always reveals the real deal. Keep being a real deal and time will reveal the real behind the deals that happen during your difficult time. And that's what I would say to encourage you. Just be quiet. Uh, uh, surround yourself with good people. Uh, vent. Uh, journal. Get through it. And then watch God vindicate you. There's some stuff that I've been through that if I told y'all, y'all would be trying to shop movie deals for me. You will be talking about, Josh, I can't believe that my wife and I have been through some stuff from from crazy people and y'all will never hear about it because you only giving power to them. You only, you, you letting people, you, you can't let people know that it's affecting you. And I tell people, don't post on your status. Listen to me close. This is spiritual warfare. Do not post that you're going through a difficult time because it's letting the witches know that their hex worked. You see what I'm saying? When you always communicate that I'm going through a rough time, you either letting the witch know that put a hex or spell on you, or you letting other witches know, well, how can I destroy this man's family? How can I destroy this woman's family? Listen, you got to get, if you start feeling stuff that's different, you tell, you tell those demonic spirits, I cancel your plots and scheme. I send this curse, this spell or whatever that's coming against me back to the sender. You cancel it. But if you always go online talking about that, that's what immature Christians do. I'm having a bad day. You don't know why that bad day came your way. And the person that probably sent to your way is now even more empowered to put which power on you go through difficulty to go through difficulties quiet and let God reveal your vindication publicly. Hope to help. Good question. Uh, okay. Let me make sure I get to the, I got to do it in order. Got to do it in order. Got to respect those who got it here first. All right. Uh, okay. Good. Okay. Here we go. Tavana says, how would you advise how would you advise being able to forgive quicker and not hold grudges? I have trouble forgiving. I understand. Sometimes we put so much power in what a person did to us than the power of what Christ did for us. You see what I'm saying? It's all about a mental uh, a maturity. Mental maturity is realizing you don't have time to be unforgiven. What helps me is my purpose. I, I cannot sit here and be unforgiven. Unforgiveness don't write books. Unforgiveness don't get things done. They get in the way of getting things done. And when you understand that forgiveness is a gift for you to go forward, for, give, give, for, opportunity to give you the, giving you the opportunity to go forward. That's what forgiveness is for. Forgiveness ain't really about that person. Forgiveness is for you. You got to give yourself the gift of forgiveness. And realizing that 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 Jesus uh, act for me is greater than what anyone has done against me times a billion. 
And so I embrace the forgiveness of God. And I always compare the sins against me to the sins that was against God. And it humbles me realizing the grace and mercy that was given to me. And my sins was greater than the sins that was given to me that I did to a, a man who was holy and blemished. And that I am, I, all of us are responsible for the death of Jesus. Then it humbles you in realizing if he can forgive me, I can forgive them. And forgiveness is not just for them, but for me to go forward. Because, because let's be honest. If your cell phone, if the Holy Spirit put a screen, uh, um, a hologram, holographic screen in, screen in front of you and showed you how many hours you thought about this offense, you would be astonished. How many of us waste hours a week thinking about something that already happened, thinking about who hurt us and who did this to us? How many hours have we wasted in the unforgiveness category? The I just wish that this person did thinking about a person. That's too much power you're giving that person. So when you realize that forgiveness is a gift for you to go forward, if you have something to look forward to, you don't have to worry about looking back. It's hard to look back when you have someone looking forward to. You have something to look forward to. I can't even remember half the stuff that was done to me. And even if there's stuff that comes in my mind, I got a book to write. I got things I got to do. I let that person go because in letting them go, I let myself go. Because if I keep having them in my mind, then I won't be able to mind my business and mind my 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 mind, like mine it, like dig deep to find the jewels and the gems that God wants me to give the world. You don't got time to waste to forgive. You got to let that go and realize that you survived it. You could have died. They could have, it could have been worse, but the fact that you're alive, do something else with that breath. Do something else with that mind than thinking and speaking on what has happened to you. That's what I do. So I don't hold no grudges because holding grudges only grinds me out. Grudges, it grounds me out. It's no benefit to me. See what I'm saying? Good question. How do me and my wife keep our marriage holy? Uh, good question. It starts with you as the man. Everything boils down to the leader. It is your responsibility to find out the reasons why. Now, let me make sure I make this plain biblically. There's, there's two types. I wouldn't even say two types. There's two actions that took place in a believer's life. When God saved you, was set aside as holy. That means the devil can't, the devil can't pluck you out of God's hand. The devil can't take you saved. You are son or daughter of God. You are fully adopted. You are holy for God in sonship. In sonship. Now, there's a process of sanctification that puts you in a place where you're habits and your actions matches your position, right? Your practices and your patterns match your position. So when you realize that you've been adopted by God for a purpose and that God has a purpose for your union, then you begin to look at the contradictory practices or patterns that will have a, a, a deep-rooted conflict against your position. So since I'm a son of God and I know the, 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 the heavenly father has work for me to do, I, the Bible says, cleanse your hands, you uh, uh, you sinners, you double mind. I forgot the scripture. I'm tangling two things together. What I'm saying is you will begin to see, okay, what is the purpose for my marriage? And what patterns must we have in our marriage to ensure that this purpose is, is prevails? Now, 
what perspectives need to change about myself and my position in God and my my thoughts about my wife. It all boils out of that. So your your position will dictate your perspectives. Your perspectives will dictate your patterns. Your patterns dictate your purpose being fulfilled. So if you want your purpose for your marriage to be fulfilled, you have to say, okay, honey, what patterns must we have in our life to ensure that we that we create godly seed, that we are are a beacon of light to give hope to future marriages or current marriages, right? And then you got to say, okay, what perspectives in my mind needs to be renewed by God so that I can be able to understand you as my wife better, so you can be sure she could be able to understand you as your husband better, as you as the husband better. But it all boils down to realizing that you have a person inside of you, the Holy Spirit, that, that position you as a son and daughter himself and wants to continuously produce the right pure patterns that will ensure your marriage fulfills its purpose. But it all boils down to here. You're transformed by the renewing of your mind. Your marriage is transformed by the renewing of the minds in that marriage. It boils down to that. So what I need for you to do, I want you to think about the, I want you to look up the attributes of God on Google. I want you to get to know God. I want you to, I want you to look up scriptures on adoption and begin to really marinate and meditate on those scriptures so that you can be able to frame your mind, change your mind into understanding more and go to God's word, uh, scriptures on being a husband, scriptures on being a wife. And you as the man, you lead the Bible. So you as the man, you humble yourself and you apologize to your wife. I don't, I don't care if you, if it ain't your fault, you apologize that, that, that you repent or you apologize for not being the man that you need to be and that you're going to make productive, uh, uh, patterns to ensure that you become that man and humble yourself. The best leadership is servant leadership and 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 the best leader is a humble one. And a man got to always take full responsibility because he's the leader. And if you lead well, she'll follow well. It boils down to you. That doesn't excuse her for her actions. That's what that's what the Holy Spirit is for. If she starts tripping and she starts doing stuff, you take authority as the head of the house, utilize your spiritual authority to come against those demonic, manipulative spirits that may be creeping inside of her, and you pray for her, you stand in the gap for her until she gets in line. And when I say get in line, we're not talking about a derogatory phrase or term that makes women feel like they're subjective creatures to the man. I'm not talking like that. I'm talking about get in line in the order that God has set. As the man gets in line and the woman gets in line and the children get in line, you will have a blossoming marriage and family that grows. But it, it, it lays at your feet, bro. It lays at your feet. And it's a day to day process. When you take it, when you take it day by day, you'll begin to see the way made more clear for you and your wife as y'all navigate in the things of God. Hope that helped. What's up, Mar Marina? What's up, fam? Oh, y'all talking to each other? Okay, cool, cool, cool. What's up? What's up? What's up? Okay. Yeah, been asking coach, what are major? Yeah, been asking coach. Oh, so, so savvy. What are major skills and qualities single ladies should master prior to courtship? This is what you should master. Number one, you have to master. You have to master your thinking. 
You got to make sure you get all toxic thinking out of your mind from hurt women that was trying to help you with love. Hurt women can't help you with love. Hurt women can't help you with marriage. So you got to be able to change the way you you got to master your thing. You have to master your words. You got to make sure you speak what's fit the occasion. You got to make sure you have a tone and a word and a vocabulary and a way of talking that uplifts your man, that builds up. The Bible says speak only, that builds up, that's fit the occasion, that gives grace to the hearer. You got to make sure you master your thinking and master your thinking means, let me give us go back. Master your thinking means um, that your thoughts, your thought consumption is not solely on, on discontentment type of ideologies or discontentment type of thoughts where, oh man, I, I'm lonely. I want a man. I want this. You got to get your frame of mind into a place where when people look at your frame of thinking, they begin to see a picture of Christ. They begin to see that she thinks godly. She thinks pure. She thinks of purpose. She thinks of productive things that she's thinking of ways to add to her life, to add to her value. It all boils down to what type of man you want to have. If you want a certain type of man, that's what I tell it is to do. Write a list of the type of man you want in spirit, in soul, in substance. Spirit, as far as what kind of spiritual leader you want, what kind of man of God you want? So what kind of thinking do you want your man to have? What kind of emotional state you want your man to have? And physical, what you want in his physique, what you want in his look, et cetera, et cetera. And then you look at that man and say, okay, what kind of, what kind of skills will support this kind of man? It's that simple. If you want a man that can eat, you know what I'm saying? Then you got to say, listen, and when I tell women about cooking, cooking is an art form every woman should know, just like every man should know. Because if your man, if your, if your, if your man goes sick, you're going to have to cook. If your man's a master cook, because there's going to be some women out there that's going to marry a man who could cook. That's great and all. But if that man goes ill and you still can't boil water, you're of no fit to him. You see what I'm saying? So I think there are certain things that air, both man and woman should ma not master to a uh, master chef, but are able to do the basics, the basics like spaghetti, the basics like, like breakfast. Breakfast is a good go-to. Um, and, and just building the foundation of, of pasta, breakfast, burgers, building, building the basics or, or vegetables, know how to roast and, and all that kind of vegetable. So you can have a baseline basic platform in cooking. That's for men and for women. But it, but, but it all boils down to what kind of man you want and you feel um, God has for you and then begin to formulate um, the different skill sets you would need to support him. So let's get to those specific skill sets. Thinking skill set. Thinking is a skill set. Intentional thinking, intuitive thinking, creative thinking, biblical. That's the first one. Biblical thinking. Those are different things that you build in your, in your single life. What so what you could do is simply, what does the Bible say with? What does the Bible say about women? What does the Bible say about wife? What does the Bible say about being a mother? These are things you need to know even before you have those things, because I do doesn't just uh, 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 morph you into a wife. You have to be it before you be it. So you can have the right thinking skill set, intuitive, intentional, creative, supportive, biblical mind, mindset or thinking patterns. See, See, thoughts determine thinking patterns and thinking patterns determine mindset. You see what I'm saying? So the thoughts that I think will then begin to spawn thinking patterns or thought patterns. Thought patterns that do not be, that are not dealt with negatively, the negative thought patterns that are not dealt with become mindsets. Mindsets will determine mood, will determine movements. It will determine all these different things. See? 
So you have to have a thinking skill set. You have to have emotional skill set. You just can't make the excuse of, well, this is my period, or this is what women do. And I'm not speaking like a woman, so I've never been a woman. But just like women expect men to control his loins, women uh, women should be able to control their emotions. There should not be no expectation of, I expect my man to be faithful. I expect my Man stuff not never get hard for another woman. I expect all these different things, but your emotions run rapid. The same God that can that can that can help a brother with his sexual urges is the same God that can help you with your emotional ones. But what happens is most women make excuses for their emotions, and we men are so some of us men are wimps and punks and let women run rampant over us with, with their manipulative emotions. Right, the same God that can that can that can that can do anything, the same God that can help you with your emotions, and that's what you got to understand. That I have to have emotional. There's a difference between emotions and a woman's intuition. A woman's intuition is ten for ten. I see it in my wife. Her intuition is ten for ten. There's a difference between emotion and intuition. That's why men have to understand the difference. A woman's intuition doesn't mean she's emotional, fellas. A woman's intuition is that she has a greater, she has a discernment area that God has gifted her. But women cannot use that as I'm going to use my emotions, a manipulative tool to make my man think it's my intuition, but it's really me manipulating with my emotions. So you have to have an emotional skill set where you able to have a pattern or a process of venting how you feel to God before you give it to your man. Or how does a woman communicate to a man in a way that a man receives. And it doesn't matter. There's there's emotions that men have to make sure they deal with. We talk about across the board, but the question was about women. So thinking skill sets, emotional skill sets, physical skill sets. What do you have to offer? Every woman has to write down, every single woman has to write down what at this moment, what can I offer a man? And some of y'all, was, if y'all look at y'all list, will stop asking for one. Because a lot of women, not a lot of women, but there's a there's there's a good group of women out there that's begging for a man, but has nothing to offer a man. And the women who do have something to offer a man, they're too productive in offering to God. See, when you always thinking about a man and what to offer a man and whatever, whatever, and you're not making no offerings to God, then God is the first man that you should practice these things on to prepare you to, to help with the man of God that he has given you. So you also got to ask yourself, what do I have to offer now? Can I cook? Am I am I clean? Am I am I creative? Am I supportive? Uh, am, am I healed? Am I whole from my last relationship? These are real questions you have to ask yourself before you even think about a man. Because if you're not whole, you're not going to be able to hold up that man's arms as he leads the family. So what are your thinking skill sets, your emotional skill sets, your spiritual skill sets? I forgot about that. Do you want a man that can pray, but you can't pray five minutes. You see what I'm saying? You want a man of God, but you're not a woman of God. You're still a woman of the world. You got to think about some of these things. Or, or I want a man of God, but I'm still a babe in Christ. That don't mix. No man of God wants no babe in Christ woman. You see what I'm saying? So there's spiritual skill sets of prayer, fasting, seeking God, removing discontentment, knowing how to cast down vain imaginations, knowing how um, to deal with your emotions spiritually, knowing how to read and exegete the word and becoming a, 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 a mini, a miniature theologian because you understand why you believe what you believe. Your faith has been built up to be able to move, help your husband. Y'all both move mountains together. So there has to be emotional, mental, spiritual, and physical skill sets that will support the specific man that you desire to have. If not, God ain't going to send them. 
There's a lot of work. That's you know what I'm saying. All that stuff is all you. You got a lot of time in your singleness to start working on those things. That's for men too. There's so much to work on in singleness, but they're overlooked because of the mind's proneness. Uh, the mind being prone to want what it doesn't have. Now you have to understand that time is on your side. Instead of you wasting your time worrying about when is your time, utilize your time to ensure that you're ready for when your time comes. Hope that helped. I have time for maybe one or two more. If that music isn't leading you to God, it's dangerous. I know what you're going through. Yep, yep, yep. Uh, let's see. Last one, maybe two more. We'll see. Can a narcissistic person change and be totally delivered? I know for God, nothing is impossible. But I've seen some dealings. With this spirit so deeply rooted, it looks hopeless. Nothing is hopeless to God. Nothing. But you have to understand that there are people amongst us that God didn't create. There are people amongst us that have been engineered, that has been developed. They have no souls. They are not human. They are, they are, they are people who are who are ticking time bombs. There are people who, 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 who are just evil. You see, the devil has bloodlines. The devil has families. The devil has children. The devil has created people that God didn't create. You have to understand that some of these people are walking amongst us, and there are some people that are hopeless that God can't even save because there's no soul in them to save. So you have to understand that, that there are certain people that's walking amongst us that are narcissistic, sociopaths, individuals who don't have no heart, who have no emotions. And it's probably a, a devilish Asian, a demonically controlled, possessed individual. But if you're dealing with someone who who has a soul that God can save, there's hope for that person. If it's a person that the devil made in a factory, um, if it's someone that the devil made and is one of his children, one of his part of his 13 bloodlines then there's no hope for them. So you just got to make sure you are in dealings with people who are sent to you by God and not evil. So if they're narcissistic and they have a soul, God can save them, but you don't have the time to wait for God to save them. You have to go about your life, keep moving and keep doing what you're doing but and leave them with God. But we have to realize there's people amongst us that ain't, that ain't flesh and blood like us. And you have to understand those devilish people are evil and have no souls. And don't think that they're in mansions. They are around us every day. Last one. And I got to go because I got to record a good guys podcast tonight. And make sure you check out. We just posted a, a new a new good guys podcast. Make sure you check it out. Communication and relationships. Very good stuff in there. Josh, do you think God is disappointed in me for listening to that? Because after I listen to it, I feel ashamed. You understand that God um, feelings are not like ours. I wouldn't say God is disappointed. Um, I just think there is an emotion that God has that we as humans can't really process. I think he's more of a a, a, a positive. He has a positive way of, of discipline. No, don't, don't get me wrong. God disciplined those whom he loved. Don't look at God being disappointed in you and leading to condemnation. You got to realize that God wants something better. That disappointment doesn't always mean some people look at disappointment because of how their parents dealt with this, their disappointment. Disappointment doesn't always have to be a ugly or bad thing. Disappointment could just mean, come on, you could have done better. Come on, man. Why are you still messing around with this? So I don't look at God as disappointment that leads to shame. I think God just wants you to do better and knows you can do better because he put his best spirit in you. So if you listen to music, don't sink it to condemnation. Cut the music off. Assess, adjust, advance. Assess, adjust, advance. Assess, adjust, advance. Assess, make the adjustments, and the Holy Spirit, you will advance. I don't got time 
for condemnation. And you shouldn't have time for condemnation. Cut it off. Move on. And if you find yourself listening to it again because you're growing out of it, know that God chose you with your future mistakes in mind. And he knows you're going to eventually get away from it. And he's patient. His patience is different than us. But God ain't stupid, though. So you can't play God. People be, God is so loving. God is so kind. So people, that's why people take kindness for weakness. But the one person's kindness you can't take for weakness is God because God has no weakness in his kindness. God will be kind. But if you want to turn a blind eye to his kindness, watch that kind of grace leave you. We're not talking about grace for your salvation. We're talking about grace for that specific area. God going to be like, all right. I'm going to leave you to a reprobate mind. I, I'm going to leave you out there. I, I'm going to leave you with the idol and see how good that gets you. To see how far that gets you. But grace for your salvation is abundant. We can't, we can't even imagine it. But when it comes down, oh, you want, oh, you want to play me? People be like, oh, God, because that's what we train people. God is so loving. If people misuse your kindness, what makes you think that people ain't trying to quote unquote, misuse or manipulate God's kindness. People are evil. People are inherently going to try to try to maneuver and manipulate and try to move through. They don't even want to think of a just God. They don't even want to think about a holy God. They don't want to think about a God that is displeased with what we're doing. They don't want to think about a God that requires us to work on ourselves and get better. So we rather think of a God as nothing but loving, kind, celebratory. No, God is about that. You get yourself right. You better, you better know what I mean by get yourself right. I'm talking about you better cleanse your hands. You better do, you better listen. You better be holy for I am holy. You better say, you know what I'm saying? You better listen, man. God ain't playing with this stuff. That doesn't lead you to condemnation. That should lead you in, into a life of, 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 of understanding of, of cooperation. You see what I'm saying? People want a loving God. People want an overly loving, overly gracious God so they don't have to improve, so they can listen to what they want to listen to because people want to design their own Jesus and they break the second commandment. Don't even create a graven image in your mind of Jesus. We formulate a Jesus that we want to think about so that we don't have to think about what he is really, the real Jesus is thinking about. So you can't manipulate God. You can't trick God. God is looking at your sin like, yo, you tripping. Let's go. Let's keep it moving. I'm not trying to get you in condemnation. I'm trying to get you into, you know, domination. You see what I'm saying? And you playing with these sins ain't the way to go. A lot of us didn't have good fathers growing up, so we don't know what a what a, a discipline, a good, good uh, discipline from a good father looks like. But God, the Bible says he chastens those whom he loves. He disciplined those whom he loves. And it is what it is. That doesn't mean you feel like, oh, God doesn't let me know. God just says, I love you too much to leave you here. I love you too much to let this stuff mess you up. Simple as that. Love you all. Y'all be blessed. I pray this uh, podcast, this Q&A was a blessing to you. Um, um, tomorrow will be what should I do Wednesday? So I'll make sure I have a video again tomorrow. And then um, I don't have my book on me right now. But uh, Thursday, we're going to be talking about more on soul ties. I know I haven't been in in two weeks, but I've been in transitional period. Thank you guys and gals for being patient with me. Um, but the video will post down in the comment section above will be timestamps. You can go back to your question and hear the answer over and over again and stir your faith to, to walk in faithfulness. So love you all. Y'all be blessed. See you guys and gals next time tomorrow. Make sure you hit the notification bell so that you can be able to get that notification in your email. Hit the other part when a bell comes hit that way you can get all notifications so you when you see that live q a you can get your question in there real quick love you all y'all be blessed oh also make sure you go to my website iamunplugged.com for books resources t-shirts 
Um, um, uh, man, I'm full. I'm not, I'm not full with one-on-one coaching, but boy, they're coming in. So if you want one-on-one coaching, you want to get in my, on my books in the next few months and you want me to talk to you personally, get in there now because my time is limited, um, uh, during the school year. Um, if you want to give the support, our mentoring program, our school started, we're going to be in two schools this year. We're going to be in uh, my elementary school and the middle school that, that channels up to it. So if you want to give the support, our mentoring program, go to weprepel.education to learn more about our program um, and all that good stuff. So your donations really helps us. Me and my wife's nonprofit, Propel. And if you want to see what we have done with the students, go to Propel CLT on Instagram. You'll be able to see clips of my wife and I serving the kids in our elementary school. Love y'all. Be blessed. See you next time. Peace.